I mean, I saw all the day-to-day and, you know, the, the dispatching and the cutting and the making the pizzas and, you know, everything to do with that. But actually making the dough, I had to go and learn all of that on my own. And thank God we had a great staff that would help do it or did it and walked me through it repeatedly. Three generations of pizza making in a Chicago neighborhood where one of the most popular pizzas in the Windy City is not deep dish or stuffed, but rather tavern-style thin. We'll meet the owner of Pat's Pizza, who hasn't changed a thing since her grandfather started the business just shy of 70 years ago. Stick around if you want to hear about the original Chicago-style pizza. I need a deep dish sausage and a thin pepperoni for here. This is Pizza City, the podcast dedicated to the art, craft, and passion behind some of the world's greatest pizzas. I'm Steve Belinsky, author of Pizza City USA and founder of Pizza City USA Tours in Chicago. And welcome to another show, pizza lovers. Uh, great to have you with us again. It's been a busy, busy week here in Chicago. Um, James Beard Awards uh, earlier this week on Monday. A lot of people in town eating pizza, taking pizza tours. Um, Then on Tuesday, I was giving a private tour and then stopped over at a VEC afterward, one of my favorite restaurants in the West Loop, where Mark Vetri from Philadelphia was in town promoting his new book, uh, The Art and Practice of Handmade Pizza, Focaccia and Calzone, Mastering Pizza is the name of the book. Uh, Definitely want to look through this one. And then when I got home that night on Tuesday, in the mail, I had I got a copy of Genuine Pizza, Better Pizza at Home from Michael Schwartz, a James Beard Award-winning chef down in Miami. He's got a pizza place down there. And then it was also uh, the 28th edition of the World Pizza Championships in Parma, Italy. And uh, the U.S. pizza team took home the gold. Congratulations to those guys. Lenny Rago of Panino's in Chicago um, on that team. Also scored highest among Americans in the gluten-free category. So when you're in Chicago next... Lots of places to get gluten-free these days. Panino's, uh, Forno Rosso, Lou Malnati's, they all do gluten-free crusts now. But we're talking about Chicago-style pizza today, and in the, the intro tease, I said it's not deep dish. And this is really where I have a problem with lots of visitors who come to Chicago and just say stuffed. Because stuffed pizza, totally different style. Um, this is where you build it with the dough on the bottom, and then the layer of cheese and topping, and then you cover it with another layer of dough, And then you add the sauce to the top. And it does look like an above-ground outdoor pool. (laughs) I always joke it's like the Game of Thrones pizza because it literally looks like a castle with a fortified wall. It's so thick and dense and heavy. Um, And by the way, that pizza came around 1974 by Giordano's. 1943 was when Uno's, which was really called Ricardo's back then, but it was Uno's essentially, um, started doing deep dish in Chicago in 43. Well before then, tavern style. And I say tavern style, and people in the Midwest know this is bar pie. So let's just say flyover country, for lack of a better geographic designation. This is um, people in Milwaukee, people in Minnesota, Wisconsin, all over. I mean, I went to school in Wisconsin. I remember bar pies. Grew up in Minnesota. I remember the bar pie. In Chicago, since the after Prohibition, 30s and 40s, um, Chicago is a city of 77 neighborhoods, and so people would stop at the neighborhood tavern on their way home from the factory, from work, 
and they'd have a beer, right? And the bartender would, would, they were smart. They'd say, you know, let's make a little thin pizza. We'll pass it around the bar. We'll cut it into squares. People can stand and hold a little square in their hand and they'll eat something salty. So they'll order more beer. So it was really just kind of a marketing push to get people to order more beer. And this tradition stuck because a lot of places I still see will, like during happy hour, pass around little tiny thin, cracker thin crust pizzas, very little hydration in the dough to their guests. And it will get them to order more beer. And unlike a lot of the artisan places we hear about on the East Coast, um, where they're promoting high hydration levels, we're talking 68 north of 70% water by volume in the dough, very wet dough. The thin places are just the opposite. Um, they want a very dry, somewhat brittle dough. Um, one of the South Side guys told me that thin pizza's a, a, a meal and tavern style's a snack. And it really was intended to be a snack to have a little bite with a beer on your way home for dinner. So uh, this week we're talking to Pat's Pizza, one of my favorites. It's always on our tours. Uh, Gina Pianetto is third generation. And I, this business will most likely go into the fourth generation. I know her son is interested. He's in high school, but, you know, they're already talking about uh, the transition at some point. And um, so her grandfather, Pat, will tell the story. His real name was Nicholas, but we'll tell the story today. Um, started this business in 1950 uh, on the north side of the city where the Vic Theater. It was Roger Ebert's favorite pizza. I remember when they, when they announced that in the newspaper, they had to buy another oven. They got so busy. And I started off today's conversation just by asking her point blank what she thinks Chicago-style pizza is. Tavern style, thin crust. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you think people who come to Chicago think that Chicago-style pizza is always deep or stuffed? They see all the the Gino's East and the Giordano's, and a lot of the tavern-style places are... Still a lot of the mom and pop, the original owners, and still the family businesses. And I don't think they get enough recognition as much as what the, ta- the deep dish and stuff does. So when you say they see those other places, it's because they're downtown and they're more visible and the little mom and pops are in the neighborhoods. Right, right. It's the little corner places or the little hole-in-the-wall places that people don't, don't see. So this is one of them. Um, tell me, how did Pat's begin? Pat's began, uh, my grandfather was a truck driver, and when my grandma was home by herself, he wanted something for her to do. And your, gran- your grandfather was Pat? My grandfather was Nick, but Pat was a nickname that he got from, uh, they, they lived next to an Irish, comp- uh, an Irish family, and they lost one of their sons, and the mom started calling my grandpa Pat. Because he reminded them. He reminded, yeah, he reminded them of their son, so. Because yeah, not a lot of Italians name their kids Pat. Pat? No, no. <laughs> So the name Pat always stuck with him up until even when my grandma and grandpa got married and he signed Nicholas Pianetto and she said, who's Nicholas? I thought your name was Pat. No, my name's Nicholas. <laughs> so he was a truck driver. He opened a little joint to keep Gene, his wife, busy. Mm-hmm. What was the menu like then? It was a cheese, a sausage, a pepperoni pizza. And when you say sausage, to was, explain what that means to people on the East Coast who don't know what a sausage pizza is. It was the bulk you pinch and press it and with the fennel in it and this is going on in the 50s and the 60s how did your your dad get involved well my dad was born and he always makes jokes because he was born in the apartment above the restaurant they never made it to the hospital so he goes usually people move up in life he goes I just moved down he goes I ended up from 
the third floor apartment and to being in the basement and running the, the restaurant. So he literally had this in his DNA. I mean, he probably smelled this in utero. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and they were doing thin. Was it because there were little joints and taverns and bars already serving tavern style as a freebie to their customers? Is that why Pat and Jean were doing a, a tavern style at their first place? The crust is almost the original recipe from when they opened. And we were always, we were just always associated with the tavern style. We've got a pan pizza, but... Yeah, this was seven years after Deep Dish started uh, downtown at, at uh, what was Ricardo's at that time. In 55, it became Uno's. But uh, so it was only seven years of Deep Dish at that point. And yeah, most places in Chicago in 50 were probably just doing thin crust. Yeah, I mean, we were always, I think my, my whole family were always the oddballs. We wanted to do something different. So, so Gene and Pat have two boys, Nick and Sam. Yeah, right? yeah Nick and Sam. Um, Sam was in Vegas and was in Chicago, moved to Vegas, and then came back. And they opened up together over in the Illinois building, the um, Amico building. So this is right downtown. Yeah, right downtown. We opened up a Pat's Pizza together, and then my dad pulled out and went to another location and then kept Sheffield, and Sam stayed down there. He went a little further south eventually, and my dad stayed north. And that the original place is across from the Vic Theater. Up, this is up on Sheffield in, in Lakeview. Um, and so, so Nick is running this uh, by himself, and then he, he meets your mom? Uh, yeah, over on Sheffield they met and... They meet in the pizza place? No, they, <laughs> they met at the corner of Harlem and Foster at a stoplight. This is on the northwest side of the city for people not from Chicago. Okay, so they met, wait, they met at a stoplight? They met at a stoplight, pulled into the McDonald's right there, and... Well, fast work. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this is Nick and Linda. So then they, so when did they get married, in the 60s, 70s? Uh, they got married in 71. The same year that Lou Malnati's and My Pie started in Chicago, interestingly enough, doing deep dish. Yeah. Um, they, yeah, they got married in 71. They took it over in the late 70s, early 80s. And they expanded it, right? Because it was just takeout and delivery. It was just takeout and delivery in a little basement. You walk down, you see the whole pizza kitchen, the ovens and everything. And by now, Pat, your grandfather's out of it? Yeah. My dad called up one day. He goes, Lynn, I, w- I want to open up a restaurant. I just need you for six months. That's it come in, hire the staff and train them, and then you can go back home and stay home with the kids. She just retired last year. Wow, that's a long run. <laughs> and that, okay. was, that was in 88 uh, that the restaurant opened. It, we opened, I think, give or take a day or two around the first Chicago Cubs night game with the lights. Which was 8, 888. Yeah. Okay, so um, they're still on the north side then. They're in 88. They're doing the restaurant now. They've expanded. They're still doing the thin pizzas. Um, your, was it your dad or your grandfather that had the kind of the crazy idea about how thin it should be and setting the, the dough sheeter? My dad. Okay, so he wasn't happy with how his dad was doing it? I think it was just we never really paid attention to how thin we actually wanted it. And he just, you know, when he was resetting the machines one of the time, he Made sure it was, it was seven papers then. And the papers referring to what? Uh, our delivery tickets that we used to have. That's how it, seven sheets of paper thin is what we measured the rollers by. Any idea how he came up with that, not six, not eight? You know, I think it was all how it cooks. Now, this was because of the oven you had, which was an old Folds oven, correct? Right, a Folds oven. That's the only ovens that we've ever used so far. And was that a rotating deck oven? Yeah, rotating deck, four shelves. And then how do you come into the picture? I had left for a while, and when my dad passed away in 
2014, and I mean, it was it was a no thought for me. I was working at the state, and the day that he passed away, I took my leave and used up all my time. I took a three-month leave, and I, from that day, I never went back to work anywhere else. Either you take it, or they you got to sell it. Yeah, or we were done. That's got to be so much pressure. I mean, in a family business, you're talking about like preserving this, you know, this long lineage since 1950. There was only one move. You moved from uh, the original location here to where we're sitting right now in in Lincoln Park in in 2004. So 54 years of business, you move here, and then there's this pressure. So 10 years later, your dad passes away. When I moved here in 92, 93, I remember Roger Ebert, the late uh, film critic, had said his favorite pizza in Chicago. And I'm sure he gets asked that question all the time as a big name in Chicago, what your favorite pizza was? He said it was Pat's. That did that make a bump in business at all? Did that help? We had we had a second oven put in in the back. Wow. Uh, within I think within four days after that article came out, we had a second oven put in. So you decide in 2014 you're going to come back. You're going to take over the family business, third generation. Um, have you changed anything? No. I had to learn how to make the dough again and the sauce. And there were days when I would make the dough and I'd go in the office and I'd cry because it, it didn't rise right or it didn't come out right. Or it was, that was the most nerve wracking part is just trying to relearn the main things about what kept the place going. Was there a time when your dad sat down with you and kind of showed you how everything worked? Did you have an ability to sort of transfer the knowledge or did you have to kind of figure this out on your own? For that, I figured it out on my own. For like making the dough and the sauce and everything, I figured out... I mean, I saw all the day-to-day and, you know, the the dispatching and the cutting and the making the pizzas and, you know, everything to do with that. But actually making the dough, I had to go and learn all of that on my own. And thank God we had a great staff that would help do it or did it and walked me through it repeatedly till I got it. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Gina Pinetto is going to show me how they make the pizza here at Pat's, from the dough to the special dough sheeter to the four to six days in the cooler and then baking on the old Folds oven. When we come back here on Pizza City, stay with us. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We are at Pat's Pizza this week in Chicago in Lincoln Park since 1950, making tavern-style pizza that is square-cut, thin and crispy. I'm with Gina Pianetto, the third-generation owner, and we're now back in the dough room, which is in the back of the kitchen. Um, so tell me what we're looking at here, Gina. Uh, a Hobart mixer. It's uh, the original mixer that we had from when we opened up. Um, it was built in the 1930s. From a military ship, I heard. Yeah, we got it off of, my grandpa got it off of a military ship. We, we mix the pork, the dough, the pizza sauce we mix. And there's mixing going on right now. So what's, what's happening here? He's pouring uh, in. Right now we're going to make a batch of dough. So we've got the yeast, the water, the sugar, the salt. Just a commercial yeast, yeah? Yeah. yeah. All-purpose flour, nothing special. Uh, some shortening, vegetable shortening. Uh, yeah. So he's going to mix this into, into dough, and then what's going to happen? Uh, we'll let it sit for about five hours. Put it up, and we, they measure all the dough balls out, small, medium, and large. Um, and so you don't do any bulk, well, five hours of bulk fermentation, yeah. and then you divide it into balls. And then we divide it into dough balls. We get, uh, out of the two batches he'll make today, we'll get 140 large dough balls, 84 small and medium dough balls. That's about 220 or so pizzas. Mm-hmm. Okay, every day you're making that? Five days, six days a week. Five Holy six cow. days a week. Okay, so now we're, the other thing we're here is the uh, the dough sheeter. So actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. So you into the balls yeah. and then into the cooler, this. right? Uh, we'll mix this. We'll put it into the dough balls and then we'll put it into the cooler for two days. 
two days it rests in the cooler. Yeah. Okay, so not a lot of um, rising going on. It's a cold ferment. Right, yeah. Okay. And then you bring it back in here to the dough room. We bring it back in here to the dough room, and we put it through the sheeter. Now, this is an old, this is, what is it, it's an Anderson? Uh, Annitz. Annitz. You put it through two times usually? Two times through the top, two times through the bottom. But on the side is the settings, and this is where your dad kind of went a little crazy, right? Right, because it wasn't thin enough for him, so we had to call the company, and they had one of the head guys come out from the company and take all the settings apart, take all the screws and everything off, and reset everything and redrill everything. So it was to the setting that we, that we were happy with. Okay, as you said, um, seven sheets of paper thick. So we're going to walk now through, this is a big big kitchen, um, into the cooler. Um, and once your, your dough guy does the dough, she, sheets it and into the thin sheets, you put it in between special pieces of paper. We get the paper in from a, a printing company because we can't use regular butcher paper. It doesn't absorb the moisture as much as what a butcher paper would absorb the moisture. Total with the two days it's in a dough ball plus four days uh, in a, as a sheet. Yeah, four to five days. Anything after that, then it, it's a completely different crust in how it cooks. Anything sooner than that, when we run when we run really low on dough, it's a it's a different crust. Okay, so then you're gonna bring it out to the uh, the kitchen, right? Okay. Now this is a Folds oven also, and that's F A U L D S. Um, different than the one you guys opened with, right? Uh, the same style, just a different size. Five hundred degrees. Yeah, five hundred degrees. Turn it off at night, yeah? Yeah, we shut the gas off. You want to make a pizza? Yeah. All right. So let's start with, um, I want to talk about the bulk sausage that I'm looking at right now. It's gorgeous. Lots of fat, lots of fennel. I can see the fennel seeds in it, New York. Uh, that's the problem I have on the East Coast. It's always links, and you slice it, and it's pre-cooked, and anyway. Um, so we're going to do a sausage jardinier. We'll okay. do a small one. You don't have to do a big one. Okay. Um, so you're going to pull out your pizza peel, looks like, first. Yep. Um, and do you ever feel like uh, you must feel with every pizza you make a sense of responsibility that you're carrying on this tradition and that it must be consistent because you've got families coming in here that remember it from so many years ago? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and even going back from customers from Sheffield that when we moved, they didn't realize we moved and they found us again. Um, I mean, we've had first dates here. We've had proposals here from the first date, uh, shop wedding showers, baby showers. You can't change anything. There, no, yeah. no. You just sprinkled some breadcrumbs bread crumbs on the bottom of the peel. Now, a lot of times in Chicago, they'll do coarse cornmeal. You're doing some breadcrumbs. That's interesting. The cornmeal bakes into the dough. The breadcrumbs don't. Sauces, uh, we use a full red tomato, tomato puree. And like a 7-Eleven? A 7-Eleven and a, yeah, we use a 7-Eleven and a full red uh, puree. Obviously, it looks like oregano. Oregano, parsley, salt, sugar. Uh, you say sugar is interesting. So on South Side, uh, typically the, the tavern joints do a, quite a bit of sugar, especially, I mean, if you get to like Arenello's, is ridiculous. But Baracco's, they love sugar on the South Side. You like sugar just as a, what, as a counterpoint, as a balance? Just a little bit, yeah. Now you go all the way to the edge, too. There's yeah. no exposed dough at all. We can't because our crust is so thin it'll burn. Okay, and what did you just add there? Pizza crisp. It's like panko breadcrumb. Yeah. Yeah, like a panko. Interesting. Okay, I okay. A little bit of panko breadcrumb yeah. on top of there. All right. Oh no, you dipped your gloved hand into the, sauce, into the sauce, and then you picked up the bulk sausage, and that's got like the size of a softball, 12 yeah. inch, not a yeah. 16 inch. When you pinch and press it, it yeah. doesn't stick. So you're pinching it and pressing it, and each 
print pinch is about an inch and a half across or so. It's obviously jagged and rough because this is going to, the fat is going to render as you're baking it, and that fat is going to go out onto the onto the pizza, which is going to give it flavor. Now you're going into the jardinier. You guys use an extra hot jardinier? Yeah, extra hot. Okay, for those who don't know what jardinier is, it's the condiment of choice in Chicago on Italian beef sandwiches. It's pickled chilies, carrots, cauliflower, sometimes olives, sometimes celery, um, and you've got cut a couple of handfuls there. There is some olives there, I see. Yep. And definitely sitting underneath a blanket of uh, mozzarella is gonna help it obviously mitigate some of that heat too. Uh, but there's a little bit of a bite, but it's really nice. We do tours with people. They really love this combination of the sort of rich, the, the fattiness from the sausage and the richness of the cheese, and then the sort of biting vinegary chili of the jardinier. Okay, now a big handful of shredded mozz. Shredded mozzarella, it's a straight uh, part skim mozzarella. Uh, we don't use a mix of anything. I know a lot of places use a, like a Romano or a par, uh, uh, provolone. We use just straight mozzarella. Into the 500 degree oven um, on a metal deck. If this was a stone deck, it would probably pull too much moisture. It's already a very dry dough and it's going to come out somewhat dry. It will quite dry and brittle. It goes onto the deck. It's a metal deck. And then about how long in this 500 degree oven? About 13 minutes, 13, 14 minutes. Okay, we'll come back then. Hey, it looks ready. Checking that undercarriage, checking the skirt, and onto the cutting board. And uh, now you've got your Game of Thrones Mezzaluna. You're going to put it on cardboard first. Yep. It turns at 90 degrees. And three more cuts. And this is a large, you've got how many, like 16 squares or so, it looks like, yep. maybe 20 squares. Putting it on a dimpled pan, dimpled why? Pan. This way it lets the air flow through it, and you're not, you don't have that crust sitting on the metal and getting soggy. That's a big problem with a, any pizza, but especially one that is so thin. You don't yeah. want this to get soggy. Now, do you tell people, like, for the delivery, like, it may not be as crisp as you, if you have it in-house? You know, we don't. Um, we still put it on a cardboard in a paper bag. It lights that heat kind of flow around instead of going in a box where that moisture is going and surrounding the whole pizza. Yeah, the thing I love about this pizza, Gina, is that when you bite into it, you, it's an audible crunch. You can actually hear, I mean, I'm looking at this, it is so impossibly thin. There's zero tip sag. Even if I yeah. pick up a larger piece that's got a, a giant piece of sausage, two pieces of sausage on it, there is zero tip sag. I'm going to get a picture of this as well. I, you know, I usually ask people at the end of the podcast, like, what have you learned over the years, all the R&D that went into making the pizza? What would you tell yourself, you know, 10 years ago or before you got into the pizza game? I mean, it's different for you because you're just carrying, sort of passing that torch, carrying on the tradition. Anything that you've learned, though, in the last several years since you took over five, six years ago? Everything here is so detailed. And one thing that is changed or done differently, you can tell. So it's it's one of those things that it's almost like a science that you have to learn. I mean, the temperature of the water when you mix the yeast and how long you let it rise. And I don't like to change anything. Keep it exact and and keep it consistent. Yeah. Well, congratulations on almost 70 years of business. You're yeah. really, it's just one of Chicago's gems and uh, continued success to you and your family. Thank you so much. Coming up in two weeks, a visit with one of New York City's most well-known and well-respected pizza makers. You know, everyone asks me a question about making dough. I mean, it, it's, you know, there's nothing really special about it. I mean, the only difference between my dough and, you know, everyone else's dough is the hydration. 
I sit down with Mark Iacono, owner, founder of Lucali in Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn. Yes, the same place Beyonce and Jay-Z ate when they skipped the Grammys about seven years ago. That's in two weeks on May 24th. Remember to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or the Himalaya app, and please review us. And by us, I mean me, because I produce today's show. You can follow us at Pizza City USA on Instagram. On Twitter, it's at Pizza City Tours. And speaking of tours, be sure to take one the next time you're in Chicago. More information about those and how to get my book at PizzaCityUSA.com. You can send compliments or complaints to me on all social media at Steve Dolinsky. That's with a Y. Bureaucratic wrote and performed our theme song. And next time you're in Chicago, check out Revival Food Hall in the Loop. We've got a pop-up going on there right now with My Pie, Good Deep Dish. And then Pat's is going to start in the middle of June for a three-month engagement. Thanks for listening, everybody. And remember, optimal bite ratio always. Always.